Welcome to the Foul Vine Podcast with Sarah and Scotty Moe, where everything wine and baseball is in fair territory. Today, we are drinking a Chilean Syrah, interviewing Danny G, and recapping week one in our first in-season vineyard vibes. Grab a glass and join us. Look, big paper, I increase my wealth, uh. Red wine, that's good for my health, uh Wrestle with demons, I ain't take no L's, uh Allow me to introduce myself, I said Alright, what are we drinking today, Scotty? Oh, Sarah, today we are drinking, and as you said when I got here, we are drinking a non-domestic red Classic, Mo I brought over a 2017 Cora Leo What was that? Coralio. There you go. <laughs> Syrah. Ooh, that's um, me. From Valle de San Antonio, Chile. Ooh, Did you say Chile or Chile? Chile. Chile. Okay. <laughs> um, this is from the Matetic Vineyards. Uh, this is a family-owned winery. The Matetic family arrived in Chile in 1892. Whoa, it's a long time ago. From the Austro-Hungarian um- Empire, which is known as modern-day Croatia. Mm-hmm. Um, this, the first vineyard was planted in Rosario Valley in 1999. So it took them like a century to get the wine. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then in 20, 2002, they transitioned their vineyard to an organic and biodynamic agriculture. People might ask, what is biodynamic agriculture, Sarah? What is that, Scotty? Interesting. How I interpreted it is, you know, well, let me give you the definition first. Okay. Plants are grown in the ground and living soil, which provides a quality of health and nutrition not possible with chemical fertilizers or hydroponic rowing. So they generate their own fertility through composting, integrating animals, cover cropping, and crop rotation. So no chemicals used in this process right mm-hmm. it sounds like they use live organisms in the soil yeah very cool and they get nutrients that way okay in their grapes interesting right um so the syrah is a big thick skin grape just like me <laughs> <laughs> that originates in the rhone valley in southern france Ooh. okay but it's found its home in hot climates all over the world also known as Shiraz in Australia and South Africa. Um, but yeah, it made its way to Chile too. Nice. Um, I'm excited to try this. There's, there's around 20,000 acres of Syrah planted in Chile. Wow. Pretty cool, right? Yeah, I should go. It feels like it would be a homecoming for me of sorts. And <laughs> this wine apparently pairs well with beef, lamb, and venison. So a lot of meat. Okay. Mm, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of meat in Chile. All right. So let's go, Sarah. Let's go, Scotty. <laughs> Thank you. Wait, wait, wait. You should do it in front of them. Ah, yes. All right. Alrighty, what do we smell, Sarah? Ooh, mm. interesting. It's kind of like chocolatey. I get like a... It's different. You know what I smell? Like a pepper. Know. Okay, yes. I get pepper as well. Spice. And everything nice. I get like interesting smell. savory and sweet. It's very interesting smell. Yeah, it's different. I don't. What does the bottle say? What are we working with? Um, deep violet color, yes. Dark fruits and spices okay. with the slight oak notes. Very dark. You can't see through it. 
great body and long finish. Yeah, interesting. Think of like a black raspberry color. Yeah, it's very dark. All right, let's taste it. Okay. Mm. I'm definitely getting like a spice, but then I'm I'm getting it followed with like a hint of like a black fruit, like a black raspberry. Yep, definitely. Very spice heavy though, I would say. I do. I can. I can see where you get the chocolate from too. Maybe a little bit. Yeah, it's like licorice. Maybe. Yeah, it's like sea salt dark chocolate is what Ooh. I'm tasting. Okay, I think that sums it up perfectly. Okay. Actually. Yeah, savory and sweet. Um. All right. Well, we're gonna get to an interview with Danny G. Hot takes from Danny G. And then uh, Vineyard Vibes and wine. Sound good. Let's do it. Salud. Salud. Welcome, Dan. Danny G, as we're calling you. Um, so Danny G, or I like to call you Young Gus, is a former Pirates employee and good friend of mine, avid Falvine listener, and I would say baseball fanatic in the truest sense of the word. Welcome to the Falvine. I appreciate the uh, illustrious introduction, making me sound way fancier than I actually am. I like being called a baseball fanatic. Not how I would characterize myself a couple of years ago, but absolutely today. Nice. What? Well, uh, no, I was just going to say, it's always nice talking to a fellow Viner. Um, you know, I think the most important question is, Dan, do you like wine and what kind? It's complicated uh, with me and wine just because I like, I like wine. Um, my family likes wine quite a bit. Um, I, I feel like I don't know what good wine is. And so you could give me like 12 wines and I'd be like, yeah, they're all pretty good. I did have a transformative experience recently where I was at a wine bar in Charlottesville, Virginia, and had this Spanish wine that just like blew my mind. Like there was no question. I was like, oh, this is amazing. And then I found out that a bottle of it was like $11. So currently got one of those going on. Hell yeah. So that's always the thing. It's like, it's not you're tasting fine. Expensive wines are tasting fine wines. Expensive wine doesn't necessarily equate to being a fine wine, to being a good wine. It can be $11 and be the best bottle. There's also like the interesting, um, like behavioral economics where they'll like swap, they'll do experiments where they're like swap wine labels from like a really fancy one to a really bland one. And then people will rate like the one that they perceive to be more expensive as being better, even like sommeliers, right? So I'm yeah. asking all of that sort of thing. So do you remember the Spanish grape that you had that was really good or the it, bottle? Yes, I have, I've actually done a little bit of a deep dive. It was a Tempranillo. Nice. Which we, I found yeah. out often labeled as Ramaha, uh, because that's like the region in Spain that they come from. I don't know. Have, have y'all covered Tempranillos before? We did. We did it on the one episode with your dad, actually. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, so I think I'm just going to like start drinking Spanish wine until they disappoint me. Yeah, I think you're going to be drinking wine forever then because they'll never disappoint you. Um, today we're drinking uh, Chilean wine because of Scotty's bottle. I knew he was going to bring a non-North American red, so nailed it. Um, yeah, a Chilean red, a Syrah, which, I mean, fitting, obviously. Love it. Hey. Yeah. Have y'all ever had orange wine? That's the other kind of wine that I've dabbled in that I think is like super good and weird and funky and I love it. Same. I love orange wine. 
we had we tried an orange wine together scotty um it smelled horrible but it tasted good so it was kind of a mind fuck because you're like wait i i shouldn't like the way this tastes because it smells like actual vomit but it tasted so good and it was so bizarre and then i also there's a really good orange wine from georgia the country um that i had that i haven't brought to the pod yet but it's really delicious yeah the the orange wine we had was it smelled like moldy cheese so like you (laughs) every time i got near it i was like i don't want it to get I don't want to drink any of this, but then I'd take a sip of it and I'm like, wow, this is really good. It's just getting over the smell. It was it was interesting. Was that experience enough for you to give it another shot? Or are you like, I don't want any of this moldy cheese juice? <laughs> no, I would definitely try other orange wines. I think it was a specific brand that we had. I mean, it was still good too. That's the thing. But I would definitely try another one. Yeah, I'm super into orange wine. So it's funny, someone shashank we had he's our like resident sommelier on the pod his friend was telling us that orange wine now is what what white wine used to be classified as so really orange wine is just old white wine like what white wine used to be yeah before there were whiter grapes i guess okay interesting yeah um okay so you love baseball um, you're a fanatic now. You weren't a couple years ago, but did you grow up watching baseball? If so, team, favorite player, give us the lowdown. For sure, yeah. So baseball was my favorite sport as a kid, um, partially because I grew, so I grew up in uh, like an hour outside of Buffalo, New York, where it was just far enough where we didn't have, and my family didn't have like real attachment to the Buffalo sports teams, but my dad was a huge Yankees fan. Um, only because like those were the games that were on TV. Um, so I grew up a huge Yankees fan and it, it like hit that perfect sweet spot where I was like 10 years old in the late nineties when they were winning world series. And so like, those are the teams and that's like the era of baseball that I really identify with is like those Yankees teams with, you know, Bernie Williams and Tino Martinez, um, obviously like Jeter Pettis. Yeah. Brocious, Scott Brocious. Super Califragilistic. <laughs> Brocious, yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that was like my peak baseball phase. I would say like late 90s when I kind of like gained consciousness as like a child up to like the mid 2000s. Um, MVP Baseball 2005 was like a seminal baseball experience for me. I would still play that game if I had a working PlayStation 2. So that era um, for sure. In terms of favorite players though, so like Jeter was my favorite player. I know he's y'all, he was y'all's as well. So I don't wanna harp on that, but I loved Carlos Delgado growing up because being in Buffalo, the closest major league city was Toronto, like an hour and a half away. And I just remember going up to the Sky Dome now called the Rogers Center. And like that dude would just hit tanks every time I went and saw them. And I still remember like, the way the PA announcer said his name, Carlos Delgado, like just, I, I love that dude so much. And so those Blue Jays teams, like the early 2000s Blue Jays teams, I, I identify with a little bit too. Nice. And then you you fell off of it a little bit. You're saying you wouldn't call yourself a fanatic until recently. Yeah, it was weird. So like um, once we moved to like a proper suburb of Buffalo, it was all about um football and hockey so the sabers and the bills 
the Sabres were super good in, in the mid 2000s. And so that was kind of dominating hockey, like dominated my sports life. And still to this day, like, I think I'm, I would consider myself more of a hockey fanatic than a baseball fan, even if I like think about baseball more frequently nowadays, which is weird. Mm -hmm. But so it kind of coincided with like the Yankees having some down years. I went off to college in 2010 and I just kind of lost touch with the team a little bit. Um, still like loved going to ballparks, seeing games. Um, you know, I lived with some uh, baseball fans, so we would always have baseball on the TV, but it was never like my main, main sport. Um, until actually COVID when the sports world stopped and there was nothing to do. I remember the first thing that came back in like May of 2020 was Korean baseball. And I was just like so thirsty for any sports that I was like setting alarms to wake up at 3 a.m. to watch the whatever like wyverns in South Korea. Um, and then, yeah, just so that kind of that and then like the blue jays playing in buffalo really um got my attention as well and then i just happened to get a job with the pirates and it's been like non-stop baseball since then yeah i remember the korean um league when it came back in in may during the beginning of COVID. i remember picking a team i was a big deuce on bears fan so uh, i was like reading a comparison they're like that's like the yankees of south korea so i was like okay got my team Perfect. um yeah, so I, I would wake up and watch those too. Um, did you play play at all growing up, or was it just you're just like a big sports fan in general? Yeah, yeah I played baseball poorly, um, but I mm. loved it. So mm. I I was actually thinking about this a little bit recently. Um, I was a pitcher, like that was the only thing that I I could pitch and I could field. I couldn't hit for shit, um, and I could always throw relatively hard for my age, but I would just get beat around. And I think like I wonder now. Knowing what we know now about Spin like right. basketball shapes, could I have like gotten in the lab as a twelve-year-old and just been like throwing these amazing fastballs or like, yeah, I don't know. Definitely, you could have had your own Mitch Keller sweeper. Yeah, that's right. I needed to go to drive line. Mm, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, you did. You need to go back in time, create your own drive line based out of Buffalo, and then you're set we'll for make, life. We'll make millions. Um, so how did you get a job with the Pirates? You didn't, no one just happens to get a job with the Major League Baseball team. You know, there's some work or research involved. Yeah, that was probably a poor way of saying it. So um, even when I wasn't like at the peak of my baseball fandom, when I was in grad school, I had a, uh, my background is in political science, international relations, and like uh, quantitative statistic uh, based research, basically. And when I wasn't sure that I wanted to go into political science, um, these like, you know, baseball R&D jobs were popping up, data analysts, data scientists, these sorts of things. And so I started applying to some of those as early as like 2016, just kind of like as one-offs and led to some really interesting discussions. I was kind of just dipping my toes in the water and then stuck with the academic thing until 2020, actually 2021. Um, when I decided like, okay, this isn't the career path for me. And so I applied for just a couple of jobs. I was actually living in Pittsburgh in the time because that's where my um, academic position was at the University of Pittsburgh. Loved the city and just thought, what the hell, I'll apply to a job with the Pirates. And the interview process went well and it was a super interesting position. And yeah, I started in 2021. 
Yeah, I think we started the same week or so. We did, yeah. Yeah. We had an encounter in the suite where I was like, oh, you're Sarah. Like, I'm super excited to meet you. And you were like, I don't want to interact with you even. That is bit. not how that went down. That's how it happened. Because we, we were going to a new hire's dinner and then you ghosted us. I don't know if you remember this. I do. I was supposed to go to, what's the Argentinian restaurant? Yeah. Gaucho. Gaucho, Gaucho yeah. I was supposed to go to Gaucho with you guys, but I couldn't make it for some reason. I think I was sick or something happened where I couldn't make it. But I'll I... give you the reason. It's because you hated me. No, I hadn't met you yet. I know. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I hadn't met you. And then I met you at a barbecue. And then I saw you in the suite. And I was like, oh, hey, someone else who's going to watch the game, the day game. Yeah. Because no one else went into the suite during the day game. And it's like, this is the best thing about working in baseball is getting to watch baseball, especially yeah. during, you know, nine to five. So that's what I remember being like, oh, dope. Someone else wants to watch the game in the suite with me. <laughs> what? So since you guys have worked in baseball with other teams, what's the level of excitement around like watching the team that you work for generally and like getting invested in the games and like, treating that as kind of like, I don't know, part of your job and like a fun part of your job. Cause there yeah, wasn't, well, yeah. No, go for it. I was just gonna say that like, there was less of that than I expected working with the Pirates. I think everyone watched the game, but not everyone would like go down and watch it in person and like, I don't know. Yeah, I think though it, it helps if your team is playing better. You're, there's gonna naturally be more excitement. Um, it also is different. Like when I worked for the Rays, yeah, it was exciting to watch, but not as exciting as it, the Rays are now. Um, like when I worked for the Rays, it was they were very much not undefeated for the first six games of the season. And when I worked in the minors, I guess when I worked for the Astros, it was yes, very exciting to work to watch their games. So it depends if your team's doing good. I think is the bottom line. But in the minors, you feel more a part of the team. So you're grinding it out like with the players and the coaches. So you're invested more naturally where if you're in the front office of a major league team, you are a little bit separated from it unless you do, you know, like go down and talk with the coaches and kind of make that connection. Otherwise it can be hard if your team isn't playing well. And then also you're disconnected, you know, that's just my, my take. Yeah. I would say, so I never saw it at the major league level. I was at 2016. I was in the Appalachian league with the blue Jays. And then 17, I was with Sarah at the Mets, and we were in complex league, sing high A. Um, I would say that I never really, I mean, we would watch the major league team from working in the minors, but like I was, you know, at the beginning of the season, obviously you're excited and you want to watch a lot of the major league games, but I think that wears off quickly. I think the fun part, at least for me, was um, watching the minor leaguers develop throughout the season. So I was really in tune to like, not just the level that I was at. I was I was in tune to like all levels, especially when you saw a guy that got called up and whatnot. Um, I think that is the most exciting part. That was at least for me, it was. Can can we pause for a moment to talk about how awesome minor league baseball is? Like growing up yeah. in Buffalo, we had the Bisons, and like I still love going to those games. This summer. Okay, I'm, wait. Sorry. Pause. The yeah. Bisons. Yeah, I'm very okay. I'm very glad you brought this up. Actually. <laughs> I think Buffalo, New York is the only place in the world where that that word is pronounced that way. It's the bisons. Everyone else calls them bison, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know. They are the Buffalo <laughs> Bisons. Okay, good to know. Sorry to interrupt, but I had no idea there was a Z in the word bison. No, no, no. All good. I just think that like 
people need to go to more minor league baseball games where you get in the door for like a quarter and you can just have a great time. I, I 100% agree with that. I, all levels too, not just, I mean, I working in the, uh, you know, short seasons, I miss those leagues. Um, I grew up really close to the Mahoning Valley scrappers. So I would go to those games a lot, New York Penn league, but I couldn't agree more. Minor league games are a blast. I'm looking, so now I live in Boone, North Carolina, and so I'll be trying to get down to some Hickory Crawdads games as Hell well. Yeah. As, there's, an, there's an indie league team in Boone called the Boone Bigfoots that play Ooh, here. indie league. That's fun. You could be a bird dog. I don't know what that means. Um, a bird dog scout means like... You yeah, could... you basically get paid commission if you you give a name of a player that is noteworthy. Uh, <laughs> I, I know a lot of people that um, have done bird dog with local uh guys that they know that are local in front offices so um but yeah oh boone also appalachian state that baseball field is stunning have you been to an app state game no we're going i think if not this weekend then one of the upcoming series um i will say this it is beautiful this place this town is incredible um from a scenery perspective but they're like default google image is it doesn't always look like that like that's like peak fall the leaves are changing the aerial view <laughs> yeah exactly like you're not those that's not exactly the seats but yeah it is it is absolutely gorgeous um if you time the weather right and everything um yeah for sure i'm trying to find out if there are like any actual prospects on app state's team so I can uh, pass my reports back to the pirates or something. Exactly. You could be a bird dog is what I'm saying. You could also like, there's so many minor league teams in North Carolina. It's actually insane. Like you could take probably two weeks and hit 14 stadiums or something. I don't know exactly the, the number amount, but um, really good minor league teams there all the way. They have triple a all the way down to, to single hello. A. And potentially Charlotte. I'm not, speculating but if i were to speculate, that could be a major league city right definitely i mean they have a major league uh basketball team yeah and so, uh that's where the football team plays too yeah the panthers correct i mean that's they just built a brand new uh triple a stadium there for the white Sox, and they have a beautiful view of the city i think they could easily turn that into a major league ballpark if they wanted to um and the city's growing fast so yeah, it's huge. Like, I, I think people sleep on how big Charlotte is and just, like, there's a huge sports culture there. Yeah, definitely. I've only ever passed through, got some good barbecue on the road, and then went on my merry way, but would love to check out Charlotte. And honestly, I would love to go um, to Durham and see a Durham Bulls game because you know I love Bull Durham. I made yeah. you watch it, Dan. <laughs> yes, and I have, uh, I've watched it again since then. Mm. Um, so first of all, yeah, Durham, uh, the Bulls games are so much fun. That stadium's super cool. It's very, very unique. There's like this one, like the behind home plate and the um, baselines are covered with like these massive fans because that's like one of the only ways to get people out there in the middle of the summer when it's like 125 degrees in Durham. Yeah, that um, makes sense. Give them shade <laughs> and like manufactured wind. Mm. Interesting. It's a ton of fun. And they still have the old Durham Athletic Park up, so you can go tour around that. There's a farmer's market on the old field on the weekends. Durham rules if you're ever in the area. I know they play the ACC tournament there, too, which brings me to a point. I know you said minor league baseball is awesome. College baseball. People need to go to more 
D1 baseball games. They're awesome. So totally, totally. I did I did grad school at UNC and I was amazed how I was like the first time I went to a, a Tar Heels game, I was like, there's that stadium is beautiful. It's a beautiful stadium and mm. and not a ton of people go. I used to bring my laptop and they had like these picnic tables out in the like basically down the the first baseline near the outfield. You could just set it post up at a picnic table with your laptop and I would just be like sending emails watching baseball, like watching like high level competitive baseball. It was incredible. Yeah, UNC always seems to put a good field, a good field on the team, a good team on the field. <laughs> um, I was gonna say, Scotty, how many major leaguers can you name that went to UNC? I can only name one, but I know you're you're good at college. Can you name any UNC baseball players? Okay. I've got a few. I've got a few in the chamber. Matt Harvey. He's not a current major leaguer, but who's your sister? Yeah, counts. Mine is Colin Moran. Oh, interesting. I'll go with uh, Zach Gallen. Ooh, but you have more than one. You can say oh, yeah. Uh, Kyle Seeger went there. I was going to say Matt Harvey before. Um, there's a current, there's a player on the team right now that's going to be a major leader. Vance Honeycutt? Yes. He's a stud. Yeah, He's I've watched him. so good. Yeah. So that's like what, I don't, I don't think he's... I think next year he'll be draft eligible. He's a right? sophomore, I think. Yeah, he, he had an yeah. unreal freshman year last year. Yep. Yeah, I think he's going to be a like potential. Like he's going to be a draft prospect. You're going to hear about next year for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Well, let's get in to the 2023 season because it has started. There's been a week of baseball. I know you and I talked about it, but I'd love for you to share with the other Viners some hot takes and some takeaways that you have from the first week. We have them. We'll talk with you, but I know let's hear from Dan's hot corner. What do you, what do you, what do you got? I've got, I think I mentioned this before, but my takes might be too hot for this podcast. No, so. no such thing. Yeah. We want all the spice. Um, so here's one just from like watching a game today and the, uh, the series against the pirates. I think the Red Sox are trash. Mm. I actually Agreed. think that lineup is brutal. There's, there's one and a half players that scare me and it's just like it's Devers and like a little bit of Yoshida and maybe Verdugo, whatever. But like when you're depending on Adam, he can still, he is and still, Duvall started pretty hot, but yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'm out on them. I'm fading them hard. I don't think that the Pirates are world beaters this year, and it gets swept by them. I mean, granted, like baseball, weird stuff happens. There's just I'm not impressed by that team at all. Um, and they kind of spent a ton of money this off season, and they're not going to be a good team. Like this is really a weird move by them spent a lot of money in weird places like they had opportunity at a lot of big free agents and I, I don't know a lot of their signings didn't make sense to me yeah like couldn't you repurpose okay so now granted they're missing trevor story he's out but like couldn't you repurpose some of the weird signings they did and just like pay xander like, that seems like a no-brainer to me 100 percent. just so dumb like First, you let go of Mookie and then Xander. Yikes! What are you guys doing? I love it as a as a hater of the Red Sox and when he was the Red Sox fan, I love that they suck. Um, but it just seems stupid. Like, what are you doing, Han Bloom? You're not in Tampa anymore. Like, what 
you should, I don't know. He doesn't know how to use the resources. Well, there's some like weird like ch potential cheapness coming from the ownership, right? Like the whole Mookie mm -hmm. fiasco from a couple of years ago. I don't know what to do with that. Yeah, I think their I think their group Fenway Sports Group is looking at acquiring an NBA expansion team, and I don't know if that has all to do with it, but I know that it has parts part to do with it. Like that's why they brought on LeBron as a um, you know a, a owner. So um, and it's just odd. I think there is a lot going on with ownership that we don't know about. Interesting, yeah. Um, an, uh, a rival take for the Red Sox, also based on today's game, but just general observation. Garrett Cole is incredible, and I actually think he's slept on um, a little bit. So How is he slept on? He's so good. I totally, totally agree. I think the fantasy baseball community loves him, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I think there are a portion, and I'm – you know, if I'm veering into offending Yankees fans, I apologize. Like, there are a portion of Yankees fans that are just, like, blame the good players. Do you know what I mean? Like, gotcha, um, yeah. I go home, and so my dad and his friends are still Yankees fans, and, like, we'll be sitting at a local bar, and they'll be like, I'll tell you what's wrong with the Yankees. Cole isn't worth the money. They never should have gotten Stanton. Like, all of these, these are the takes, and it's just, like, I don't know, maybe – dive a little deeper. I think Garrett Cole is arguably, arguably the best starting pitcher in baseball, certainly from a consistency perspective, and is a future Hall of Famer. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's no doubt. Like, he just picked up where he left off last year. He's just as good as he was with the Astros, maybe even better, and he was, like, on fire there. So, it's kind of insane. I definitely don't sleep on him, but I do get what you say. Get what you're saying. Like Yankees fans always try to find someone to blame, and everyone's overpaid. But they love spending the money, and sorry if we're offending you. But <laughs> I kind of it's a similar take for me on Giancarlo Stanton, who's one of my favorite players in baseball. I love the big dudes who just hit the ball a million miles per hour, and like he, you know, I think there's too much made of the strikeouts and again, it's like Yankees fans complaining. Can you tell I listen to Yankees fans a lot? Yankees fans complaining about like coming up short in clutch moments. And you're like, dude, this is a generational hitter. What are we talking about here? Um, so those are my, those are my Yankees hot takes. Did you by chance see his 485 foot home run the other day? I swear I've never seen a ball hit to that part of Yankee stadium. I did, and I was like, "Was this doctored? Who did this? What yeah. happened?" I I couldn't believe that. Um, I I think I tend to have some Giancarlo hate. Don't hate me, but um, I just watching his strikeout sometimes. Like he has the to me the he's stronger than everyone in the league, but he has some of the ugliest swings I've ever seen in my life, and I I don't know why I can't get that out of my head. I totally yeah. From an aesthetic standpoint, I could see. Okay, it's not fun to watch when he's striking out. But then you, you also get the 485-foot moonshots. So, I don't know. I just think the value proposition for him is there. Like, he's he's super fun to watch. I'm glad they're playing him in the field again. Like, he's not a terrible fielder. As long as he can stay healthy, he's going to hit 500 home runs. He's going to end up in the Hall of Fame as well. Like, it's just it's a joy watching him. Yeah, I, th I think their lineup has a lot more balance, too. Like, I think Rizzo's going to have a big year. Um, I think 
you know, Volpe and a lot of the young guys are going to do really well with this team. Like they have a lot of guys that make a ton of contact uh, with LeBehu and hopefully Volpe and Judge. So um, I'm less and less worried about him with the team around him. Can I give a Volpe hot take? Oh boy. Hopefully it's a good one. The hype is too damn high. Oh, it, absolutely. There's so much pressure on the kid. I mean, everyone's trying to anoint him the next Jeter. It's kind of ridiculous. He's an amazing prospect, but I think the fact that he's like semi-local and plays shortstop, uh, the hype is just too damn high. Like, I, I think that he could have a perennial all-star career and still be a bust to some people, and like that's not great. So yeah, just temporary. Yeah, I mean, everyone, it's just hard to say that to New York media. <laughs> Temper expectations, are you kidding? <laughs> right, yeah. You know, the machine is always Yeah, it is, exactly. Um, we talked about another hot take that I wanted to bring to the pod because I know Scotty agrees. It's not hot take, but what the hell is Major League Baseball doing the day after opening day? There are no day games. What is that about? Oh, my God. Don't even get me started. On Prime this. against humanity. This is crazy. Like, okay, so let's rewind back like a week ago, opening day. Was it the most successful opening day in Major League history? Like, everyone is is loving the new rules. There's like, you're seeing the superstars out to shine. It's awesome. And then 24 hours later, you know, okay, MLB, you've conditioned me at 1 p.m. I'm going to turn on MLB.tv and like watch a quad box full of games. There are, what, five games, and the first one's at 6.40 p.m.? You can't give us this wonderful day of opening baseball and then totally give us nothing, totally shaft us. I was so ready to go 1 p.m. Let's let's dial it up. Day two, here we go. And there's nothing. We, we can jump into the uh, rule changes, too, a little bit, but just want to rattle off a couple of stats that Jeff Passon tweeted the other day. Time of game this year, average time of game through the first week, Two hours and 38 minutes compared to last year, three hours and nine minutes. Um, the batting average went up from 230 to 245. Like all your, your slash lines went up. Um, 70 of 84 on stolen bases in the first week versus 29 of 43. Like just a lot more attempts. I love that there's more stolen bases. I, I love it. And I'm, I'm a fan of the shift rules. What, what do you think about the new rules and how it's affecting the game this first week? Yeah, I think... The, the Okay, taking them one at a time. The pitch clock, I think, unless you're Manny Machado, it's amazing. Like, it's gotten rid of so much of the downtime of, like, the Nomar Garcia pars of the world unvelcroing and velcroing their batting gloves for 40 seconds between pitches. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. Like, I... I am never. I was never the one that was like, okay, baseball's too long, it's too boring, or whatever. But if this can attract new fans, because if you look at the demographics of like, you know, who watches baseball, it's, you know, mostly old, older, you know, white dudes. And yeah, it's not me, but right, yeah. yeah. And and I think demographically, it's not people in our age group, right? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. I think it's mostly people that are like in their middle age or elderly. Um, and so if this can help attract new fans, I'm, I'm all for it. The same, the, the same goes for the other two rules, the bases and the, the shift. Um, I don't want to call it a shift ban, but like the shift rules because it's not a ban, right? Teams are still shifting to, um, regulation, regulation. I guess. Yeah, exactly. 
So that one I'm a little frustrated about just because I get, okay, I get the problem that it's solving, um, that it disincentivizes players putting balls into play uh, because there's just going to be more outs because where they hit it, you know, there's more fielders. I get that that's solving that problem, but I really like to see, and I think it, throughout the history of sports we've seen, players adapt as as changes uh, are made that like prevent them from succeeding. So, you know, I I don't know if baseball was too short-sighted on this, if the MLB would have waited five years and we would have had a whole like I, I wonder if players that are being drafted last year and this year and in the coming years are going to be better at hitting the ball to all fields because they've grown up in a shift environment where they've had to do that. I don't know. Yeah, so, it is interesting. More balls in play, cool. Um, and, you know, in terms of more action, like I said, more balls in play and more stolen base attempts, I think that's great. Uh there's a little part of me that's like, it's weird. So I think cranky old people used to be the ones that were like, I hate the shift. You know, uh, back in the day, that was a base hit 10 out of 10 times. But now I feel like the cranky old man where I'm like, bring the shift back, baby. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're the, the Joe Madden of, of cranky old men. Um, Okay. With stolen bases, what's interesting to me is that you know a pitcher, the runner on first, knows a pitcher is only have two attempts. So if they throw they throw to pick off at one pitch, the next pitch, they're probably not going to use their second and only pick off to do it again. So it's kind of like, uh, obviously that pit, that runner is going to take off the next, right after the next, you know, the next pitch. That It's kind of like a mind game, like will he, won't he? But I don't know, that kind of like, it's it's kind of like a free bag almost, right? I well, know. I think I'm really interested. So that's the one that I'm interested to see how it evolves from a strategic perspective because, like, let's play that logic out. Okay, a pitcher uh, has a pickoff attempt. Um, and so you might think, okay, this base runner is going to be more likely to steal a base now because I've just done that. Well, if I'm the pitcher and I know that, then aren't I more likely to then throw over again? And if I'm the batter, or if I'm the base runner, and I know that the pitcher's more likely to do that, right? So you can like kind of like wind yourself into these mind games, exactly as you're yeah. saying. Yeah, it spirals. And so I wonder if we're gonna see like, I don't know if we'll ever, if we'll see it, but I am dying for the time where a pitcher has used all of their disengagements and then still picks someone off. They're like that confident. Okay, this guy's going here. That they pick him off. That'd be incredible. Yeah. Also, like like the word disengagements. I think it's so funny and adds like this weird poshness to the game of baseball. <laughs> have you have you noticed that I think baseball is trying to enter the 21st century of like review where now they have good audio quality on the umps being like the play is under review uh and like uh you know adopting that more kind of like football presentation almost. I think that's really interesting. Also, the faster yeah. reviews, good, good. In my yeah, book. no, definitely noticed that. Um, also, like with the stolen base rules, the pickoff rules and whatnot. Um, not the stolen base rules, but um, do you think that's going to affect scouting and what type of, say, let's say, catcher that teams are going to prioritize nowadays? Because you know, with stolen base numbers down, like obviously you want a guy with a good arm, but like I feel like that was less 
required over the last few years. Um, you know, with pitch framing too, like, um, that, that was a, that was a big, um, target guys that could frame pitches but now if there's an automated strike zone are they going to focus more on offensive minded catchers instead of defensive minded catchers but then you got guys with strong arms say like a gary sanchez um how do you think that's going to play an effect on, on the scouting side i think a hundred percent but i think mm -hmm. there are these two forces that are kind of pushing against one another one is the rule changes that are saying you know Okay, looking in the future, I think that we're going to be in an automatic balls and strikes world in, in a couple of years. And so from that set of incentives, you would be like, okay, I, I don't care about pitch framing. I'm just going to get the guy who's the best hitter and has a strong arm. I think we're going to see arm strength being in uh, like searched for more frequently um, for sure. But I think also there's this baseball culture thing of like, we need a guy, we need a field general back there who knows how to handle a pitching staff and knows how to call a game. Austin Hedges. Exactly. Oh, dude, don't even get me started. Uh, and get started. Think, we want to hear the takes. I just, I am very curious why do the Pirates know that they're allowed to have catchers that are offensive threats in any way? And that they've got one who's like pretty fully cooked in triple A and could probably be the best mm. catcher on the team right now. Amen. So yeah, I think that there is that and and I'm not gonna totally discount that because maybe there is something to like the interpersonal relationship management of being a catcher managing a staff, calling a game, like maybe that is really a skill that we just can't measure well yet. Or, and maybe never will be able to. But I think that that's going to prevent the idea of just being like, okay, this guy is really a DH only. We're just going to put him behind the plate because framing doesn't matter. Um, so I think, I do still think we'll see the Austin Hedges of the world. No disrespect to Austin Hedges, by the way. So speaking of the 23 Pirates, let's get into them. We both, we both worked for the Pirates, so we have a lot of feelings, I'm sure. Um, yeah, so they've they've been doing all right, you know. They've played the Reds and the Red Sox, though not the best of teams. Um, what do you got on the twenty three Pirates? Um, it is okay. I'll start with the obvious. It's not a playoff quality roster, but it is a far cry from the team that you and I watched in twenty twenty one, rolling out the likes of Wilmer Defoe and Will Craig. And who is that third baseman? Um, oh, come on, Sarah. He was with the Mets. Phil. Uh, oh, Evans. Phil Evans. There we go. That guy, to, to put it in perspective, that was a guy that I was like, I would squint real hard and be like, he could be like a guy. He could be a player. And we, so we don't have so many of those anymore where now I look around the lineup, especially, and I'm like, okay, there's some players here. Um, I think O'Neill Cruz has surpassed my expectations for him. I'm very pessimistic when it comes to prospects, especially ones that strike out a lot in the minors, um, and have these like tantalizing abilities that I think people can latch on to too much sometimes. But I think it's a six game sample this season, but I'm really legitimately excited about him and that like he could put together a really productive season. Um, 
I love the veteran the veteran uh, player acquisitions. Uh, I wonder how much Kutch has left in the tank. Um, I think it's interesting that he's hitting in the heart of the order right now, just because like I don't know, you know, is there much to suggest that he is deserving of that, or like it should be should be there right now? I'm not really sure about that. Um, I do think he's seeing the ball pretty well. Like he had some hard hit balls today, um, and then like a bloop one that went for a single. But in the opener, he had three walks. You know, like I think he's yeah. maybe showing the younger guys like it's okay to take like no be disciplined at the plate more like he's more disciplined than not and that's kind of why he's there right now um and maybe they're just figuring out the pieces right and seeing okay is o'neill gonna get hot is swinsky gonna step up you know what what's gonna happen there totally yeah and i i think so first of all between kutch and carlos santana who is so smooth um they're gonna walk a ton which is kind of exciting for you know a nerd like me. Um, I think I would love to see more offensive production from Kebran Hayes. Um, I think there's like some consternation about like, okay, this guy is not really hitting. Is he worth the money that we're paying him? He could be a zero at the plate, and he'd be worth the money they're paying him just for the defense alone, the value that he provides playing third base. He's gonna win. If if writers decide to stop giving Nolan Arenado the gold glove every year, he's going to win a ton of gold gloves at third base, which is super exciting. I think in spring, I'm not going to get too attached to spring statistics in the aggregate, but he was hitting the ball hard in the air to the pull side, which is something we haven't seen from him since 2020 and like the first game of 2021 before he hurt his wrist. So that's really exciting for me. If he can, he's he's hit the ball hard a couple times this year already, but. If he can start pulling the ball, I think that he's a legitimate all-star caliber player, and, and that could be really exciting. The last thing I'll say is I think this is a really good opportunity year for the Pirates to kind of churn through some mid-lower-level prospects and figure out which ones are the players. There's like six outfielders in the system right now where I'm like, you could be an everyday outfielder or you could be a quad A guy. And so I want to see is Smith and Jigba, like, can he take that uh, role? Suwinski, um, Cal Mitchell, Travis Swaggerty, who should have made the roster. Um, and the same goes for some of the infield positions, too. So I think, like, we're going to see position battles between Bay and Castro. Hopefully Nick Gonzalez gets some at-bats this year. He's already, like, 45 years old, playing in the minors. Um I don't know yeah. what Triolo's status is injury-wise, but if he comes up, I just think that there's like a, an opportunity where this team's not a playoff contender, but they're good enough that they can see. Okay, when we're good in a couple of years, who are the guys that are going to be on our team? Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I don't even know where to start. Well, first with Cabrian Hayes, like I feel like he does everything right, but he just needs to put, like you said, put the ball in the air more, especially to his pull side. That was a that was a good sign, and I you know I have friends because i'm from the area that are like i'm off on a haze i'm like relax it's been six games like i he's still young and he's still a gold glove third baseman um and then secondly like i couldn't agree more about seeing what you got with your mid-chair prospects i was really disappointed that we didn't see swagger to make the opening day roster because i think we're going into spring when a guy uh performs like you want to take spring stats with a grain of salt but when a guy wins a job like he did in camp like i think you need to 
you need to uh, bring about that environment of competition. And 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 he won the job, and I think he should have made the roster. I'm glad that uh, Smith Najigba did, um, but I'd I'd like to see. I feel like I know what we have in Sawinski. Um, I don't think there's much secrets about him as a player. I'd like to see more swaggerty in center field, and I'd like to see Gonzalez at second base because I feel like I know what we have in, with Castro. I, I've been kind of impressed by Bay the last couple uh, games, but I'd like to see more Gonzalez and um, Swaggerty. Are, were you surprised that that Swinski won the job over Swaggerty, or or I don't even know if it was Swinski versus Swaggerty, but that Swaggerty didn't make the roster, like you said? Yeah, I I was surprised from the point that like he's no longer he's still young. Like in baseball terms, he's still young, but he is old for a prospect. And at some point, I think that teams need to start figuring out these guys that are 25, 26. Is this a, is this a player that's in my future plans or do other people deserve those opportunities at the major league level? And so, yeah, based on the spring, I mean, he was hitting the ball hard, which was, you know, is one of the concerns that I've had about him as a prospect is will there will there actually be power with Swaggerty? Um, I think the fielding has never been an issue for him. I just think I think it's it it's sink or swim for him at the major league level right now. I, I honestly don't care what the AAA stats are right now. I need to see him at the majors and see is this a guy that I think there's a future as an everyday player in the big leagues or should I cut bait? And I think I think that needs to be done with these like 25, 26 year old players like I was saying before you know, sooner rather than later with, I don't know. I think the fact that two of the outfielders on the roster on the major league roster right now are kind of these mid tier prospects because like CSN had an amazing spring as well. So it would have been, I would have felt similarly to the way I feel about Swaggerty if he didn't make the roster and Sawinski for like, I don't think he's a perfect player by any means, but he did hit how many home runs last year as a as a rookie and he plays like passable center field and is pretty pretty solid in the corners like i don't know i think there's kind of a log jam there i think what the pirates are banking on is there will be injuries we see it every year um and i have to imagine that swinsky's the first guy up what i'm happy that we're not seeing is just like these randos off the street uh like a 32 year meter oh dude josh van meter uh yeah exactly the Josh Van Meters of the world. But I do miss the folk heroes um, of the world. John Nagowski. Nagowski. I was worried when, we, when I saw we signed Mark Mathias. I'm like, oh, Whoa. here we go. Hit him and Chris Owings. I was like, they're not. They're going to put Bay in AAA. Chris Owings is going to make this team. Yeah, so I'm glad that those guys aren't blocking the opportunities for younger players, at least. Yeah, do you want to talk about Bay just for a hot sec, even though it may be uncomfortable? But um, so he was accused of domestic violence, yet he's still on a major roster, getting a major league contract. Not a big fan, um, obviously for obvious reasons. I I enjoy his speed on the base paths, but wondering for you two, um, as fans of baseball, how do you go about? separating those charges against him and his baseball play or do you go about separating it or what do you make of players on the field who have domestic violence charges so yeah i'll i'll just say there's a ton of players in the league that are good at baseball 
you can find another one. And I find it really, really hard to root for these, for players that are accused of, you know, horrible things. And so from a, from a baseball fan perspective, like, yeah, I'm super conflicted whenever G1 Bay does something good for the Pirates where I'm like, all right, nice Pirates. But then I'm like, ah, I don't know about this guy. From a front office perspective, I think like there are other teams in the league that would value him. And so I don't know if that's the kind of, I don't know if that's the kind of player that you, you need to be fully attached to. Um, just given the, the accusations. Yeah, I, I will say, yeah, I will say too, from my perspective, like one book that I really liked reading was the, I think it was the Cubs way. And it talked about like how Theo Epstein and, and crew, um, they had this, uh, how they ran the front office for the Cubs and transitioned that from them from to being a winner. But they had this pamphlet called The Cubs Way where they emphasized character when scouting players um, and makeup. And that's something like if, if I was given a decision, like I would, that's something I would really value is is high character guys, high makeup guys. It's hard, it's hard to put a number to that. Um, as a Yankee fan, it's re- it was really hard watching Chapman for the past few years it's even harder like continuing to watch Domingo Herman because of the same thing. It's a, like, like Dan said, it's, it's, there's, it's, I I don't like, I don't watch him pitch. Like it's, it's conflicting. I hate that he is on, on my team. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely not, um, something that we, you know, want to root for. And also I'll just say like, Herman's a great example. Um, that's a replaceable player. It's not like this is the reason that your team is is great, you know, on the field. So why, like, what is the, I don't know. It just seems like there needs to be more exploration maybe of like, what are our alternatives here? Yeah, definitely. I think it's, I do think just devil's advocate that it is easy for us to sit in these positions and say these things. We're not the ones making the hard decisions. I do hope that one day there are GMs out there, maybe Kimming, maybe some others that will stop having players on their team who have accusations of a domestic violence. I think it's a really easy line to draw, but like I said, it's easy for me sitting in this position. I'm not at the helm, um, but I do hope their decision makers in front offices who stand up if that's what they believe in they they actually have those beliefs and that that's demonstrated in their decision making that's my hope um going forward but yeah watching Jiwon Bay and others it's just like kind of like yeah just conflicting right watching them the, sure. the last the last thing i'll say about this is like there should be room to grow like hopefully bay and or herman or whoever else is putting in the work of actually mm, bettering themselves exactly becoming yeah. a better person and so i don't want to say like if you've done you know bad stuff in your past that you should just be written off from society or anything like that like there should be room to to grow and to be rehabilitated and all these things it's just like you have to actually do the work and provide receipts for that you know yeah for sure. I agree. Yeah. And just like maybe that's part of it is that organizations help, you know, put these players in therapy or help them help them grow and become better. Um, but yeah. Okay. I'll get off my soapbox. But um, my 
Last question for you is where do you think the Pirates will finish uh, this year? And then if you have any other hot takes, but I would love for you to be a recurring guest so you can come on every now and again and give us your hot takes. But yeah, where, where do you think the Pirates will finish? So first of all, I'd love to return and give hot takes always. So first of all, I think that they are uh, slightly blessed to be playing in a pretty bad division. Um, right, even the team that we think is probably the best, at least I, I think is the best in the division. The Cardinals just got swept um, in three games by who? Who are they playing? The Braves. Yeah, the Braves. So the Braves, okay, the Braves are amazing. But like, I think that they play in a weak division. I think that the changes to the schedule, though, mean that they're playing fewer games against their divisional opponents. And so what I'm trying to say is I think that they are much better this season in terms of talent, but their record might not necessarily show that because I think they'll play a harder schedule. All that being said, if we're just talking about in the division, I see no reason why this team can't finish ahead of the Reds for sure. Um, and I think that the Cubs and the Brewers are kind of sketchy. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if the Pirates finished third in the division. I would, I would predict fourth. Fourth is my prediction. I wouldn't be shocked if they finished third. And I guess I wouldn't be stunned if they finished in last in the division. But again, like, the Reds just took two of three from them. There's a couple of bright spots in the Reds pitching rotation, but there's nothing that, that I see on that team where I'm like, Okay, this this is a better team than the Pirates. So fourth is my prediction. But maybe third also. Fourth trending toward third. I guess my yeah, my final question is um put you on the hot seat here. What, should the Pirates re-sign or extend Brian Reynolds? Ooh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no man. pressure. I I have flip-flopped on this like at least 10 different times. Um this was a i think a much easier answer for me a couple of years ago when there was more control when reynolds had more team control it was super cheap and i think they could have gotten a ton more in a trade for him i think now that i don't the ship has not sailed like there's still some team control there i think they can still get a haul back but it's but i think it's less i also think it is underrated how hard it is to find everyday players in the major leagues um, and good ones at that. So ultimately, yeah, I think they should, it's not my money, but like, yeah, they should resign him for sure. If that's going to prevent them from doing other stuff at addressing multiple positions in the future, whether it's free agency or other extensions, say, or O'Neill Cruz or any of the other young players that we care about, um, then I, then I might, change that answer but yes they should they should resign him or sign him to an extension rather yeah i i think i agree too i just think like you said it's hard to find everyday players and um i think he's a he's a great everyday player and um i think it also they need to show the the fans and and also the younger guys coming up that you know hey we're serious about this team keeping this core together and and paying to win games like san diego's i know their owner probably has a lot more money than Bob Nutting, uh, but it's a smaller market, right? Since San Diego is a smaller market and they are paying money to keep that team together and bring in stars. I don't think, obviously I don't think that'll ever happen in Pittsburgh, but like 
you see how people are showing up for the fan fest there and like they're going so, probably going to sell out most of the games this season um you know I, I think pittsburgh if you show it's a passionate city you see it with the steelers with the penguins um if you show that you're serious about the team people will show up and then we've got the best ballpark in baseball so spend the money <laughs> uh, yeah a hundred percent um it's a super passionate sports town i've I wasn't living there in the like 2015, 2013 through 2015 era, but I've heard that those games were just insane um, to be at. And so I would love to see a winner in Pittsburgh. And I think Reynolds could, you know, he and Hayes, and hopefully they re-sign Cruz or sign Cruz to an extension rather. Um, I think that's the makings of like a little baby core. And then with the prospects, uh, pool that, that the pirates have we might be looking at a contender i don't know yeah for sure i love i'm going to quote you on little baby core i'm going to keep that like that phrase um awesome well thanks for coming on the foul line dan danny g of course thank you so much for having me i look forward to my triumphant return where i give even hotter takes yes then garrett cole is good at baseball <laughs> thanks dan it was it was great having you on we'll definitely uh do volume two soon awesome all right thanks y'all see ya cheers well that was great love having former pirates employees on danny's the best it's also nice talking to fellow viders i think we're going to institute Danny's hot takes as a new segment. I think so too. So yeah, I'm excited to hear from him. He had some big ones. I can't wait for you <laughs> to listen. Um, but let's get into our first in-season vineyard vibes. Let's do it. I think we're going to split this up by league. So let's like quickly go through. Well, not quickly. We'll go through our observations from the American League in um, Week One. And you know, obviously, I'm going to start with my Yankees. Mm-hmm. Starting four and two, um, and that is through their first two series with the Giants and Phillies. They took two of three from both. Um, Judge homered in his first at bat. Knew that was going to happen. You know, he, he is the captain. He's worth all that money. He's already going for 63 home runs this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah, it, it, he, you can just see the presence that he has in that clubhouse. You always see him sit next to Volpe at the top of the dugout. Uh, he is the he is assuming that role as captain. Speaking of who I like to call Anthony Peniella Volpe, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's good. Um, you heard it here first, folks. Um, but he is he had a stolen stolen base in each of his first three games. He's going to provide a lot of speed for this team. Any observations from you, Sarah? Well, the Rays are undefeated as they of are. right now. They're six and zero, so not surprising, but also annoying. I don't know. I'm kind of regretting not including him in my playoff picture, but it's only yeah. six games. Yeah, they were in mine, but yeah, we'll see. Um, and then, so the Rays look good. Um, I had, I well, think... Real the, quick, too, oh, about yeah. the Rays. Do you think they might have the best rotation in baseball? Yeah. Glassnell's not even there right now. I know, that's what's scary. Wow. It's really good. Um, I did enjoy the Red Sox Orioles series. A lot of runs. A lot of offense there. A lot of offense. <laughs> no so pitching. No pitching, but it was fun for your offensive sake. And um, I'm really enjoying watching the Orioles, I, I will say. Yeah. I like the Orioles. They have a lot of young – Adley Rushman's first game was awesome. I uh, know it was. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, awesome. no, the Orioles are. Grayson Rodriguez got called up today. Uh, I think he made his debut against Jacob DeGrom and the Rangers, so that's cool. A lot of young talent there. I wish they would have done more this offseason. Oh, speaking of debuts, did you see this, that there's now an MLB patch that says MLB debut on jerseys? I I did see that, and I was going to ask you, is that just for the debut game? Like, are they wearing that all season, or is it just for the debut? I don't know, but I would think it would just be the game, because it's kind of, I would hate that to wear that all season. It's like, hey, check it out. Scarlet letter. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Um. No, I did notice it. I was I was curious. I meant to look that up. Um, if anyone knows the answer to that, please let us know. Yeah, add uh, us on Twitter and Instagram. Let us know if you know they're wearing the badge all season long. Um, and you know, like you said, the, the Orioles, Red Sox, Red Sox, very unimpressive to me. Got swept by the Pirates this week. Um, I think they're, you know, I don't want to make any overreactions. This is a hot take, but I think they're a lock to finish last in this division. Um. It's just just sad for the city of Boston. So sad. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, you seem real broken up about it. I am. I am. It's bad for baseball. But I'll tell you what. One team I'm really impressed by, the Cleveland Guardians. Mm, yeah. They really showed out in Seattle this weekend. Yeah, they did. That was that was a fun series. The Twins are looking good as well, right, right on their heels. Um, I really enjoyed watching the Angels this week. I have to say, I got sucked into this last year, but I, I, like I said, I believe in this team this yeah. year. Yeah, Patrick Sandoval is so good at baseball, and he's nice. Shohei Otani is already a lock. I hate to admit it, but he's already a lock for MVP. How yeah. could he not be? I know two-way I mean, player. That's just what. What? How about that series against the A's? Well, that was our first series, I believe. Yeah. Um, they're playing the Mariners now, but um, Trout and Otani going back to back. I mean, they're just riding their high from the. World Baseball Classic. Yeah, that was so fun. The Astros, though, as an American League team, I'm kind of disappointed in thus far. Um, I hate this, but the phrase um, World Series hangover, yeah. I think they do have a little bit of it. Um, at least their pitching staff right now um, matched with their offense. So, like, putting the both, putting them together is what it's not really computing. Yes, they're, they've won three games, so it's not like they're over, but. Um, just in our picks, we'll we'll go over. We've each picked the Astros pitchers a couple times, and all all of them have lost. So they're disappointing us on that. Oh, and a little update on that: we're both at three and four. I saw that we're tied. So we're doing <laughs> three for seven, I guess, for the first seven games. But that's been fun. Yeah, I noticed we both have. I think I had uh, Framber last night. I was like, "Come on, the Tigers, let's go!" Framber. I know he pitched a great game. It's the offense. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like they're not matching up. So real quick on the Astros, like. You know, I look at this division. The Astros are three and four. The Mariners are two and five. Are you more worried about the Mariners? Both teams, I'm like, you know, yes, a little bit of World Series hangover for the Astros. The Altuve's out. I'm not as concerned about either of them, though. Like, I, I think it's just early. I think it's just, yeah. you know, uh, I think they both have the uh, opportunity to turn it on and go on hot streak. So I'm not worried about either of them right now, but I do see what you mean. I mean, I think the Astros struggle against the Tigers. looks kind of bad, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The Rangers kind of showed they swept the Phillies. Yeah. In the first series. Yeah. Like, it's a team that neither of us really believed in. I don't think. Not really. Like believe in Degrom and like some of their signings, but yeah, I, I was higher on the Phillies for sure. Um, but that's speaking of the Phillies, let's get into the National League. Oh, so Phillies were uh, defeated until Game Two against the Yankees. They finally got their first win. Yeah. They're um, one in five right now. They're really gonna have to hold their head above water until Harper gets back. Um, I don't know about this team, though. I 
it just seems like their bullpen's been really bad. Um, again, over, over early season overreactions. Trey Turner looks unreal. Alec Bohm looks great, but mm. um, hopefully it's just early season jitters. Atlanta in that division, oh. they're too good. Atlanta's nasty. Yeah. Um, Atlanta swept the Cardinals, um, and they had a first series against the Nationals. Um, yeah, they look really good. Max Fried went on the IL, but they still have young pitchers. I swear they just have guys they pull out of thin air. That yeah. So Dylan Dodd and Jared Schuster are great rookie pitchers. Yeah, like, like who would have had who? that? Exactly. Um, question I had for you, Sarah. Yeah. Team that I'm seriously concerned about, I think it's panic mode for the Mets. They just got swept by the Brewers. And we'll get to the Brewers next because I actually have a lot to say about them. But I think it's panic mode because Scherzer looks kind of washed. Like, I think he'll grind out starts, but I don't think you're going to get a high-level Scherzer this year. I think you're going to get, like, a four-plus ERA. Yeah, and then Verlander's on the IL. Verlander's on the IL. It's just, like, the offense is, like, hasn't really been exciting. Like Except for Pete Alonso, who homered twice off, off of Corbin Burns. I guess, you know, and uh, shout out to RJ, our last guest. But um, I guess the big question is, what's the point of having Tomas Nito, who I like a lot, mm. when you have a offensive stud rookie catcher in AAA, yeah. Francisco Alvarez? So we'll see what they do there. They have a lot of guys. Brett Beatty, (laughs) Mark Vientos, the chosen one, (laughs) Francisco Alvarez. I think they need some some young spirit injected into this team. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, The Pirates are 4-2, which is awesome to see. I've enjoyed watching them. I think they're really embracing small ball. I've seen so many bunts that I was like, oh, my gosh, okay, it's bunt season out here, everyone. Like... What is that about? They're really playing the small ball. Um, and Keller is putting the K in Keller. Yeah, I'm, I'm so happy for Keller. That's one guy, like, I've always believed. I've been rooting for him. I, I, I saw him in a high A when we were with the Mets, and I'm like, yo, that guy is for real. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always believed in him. I'm happy for him. Um, I'll tell you what, though. This team is bunting, playing small ball, walking. One guy that I've enjoyed watching is Dari Moretta, who they got for yes. Kevin Newman. This guy, I swear, loves to intentionally get himself in a jam to just work out of it for fun. And to get excited and then about get it. animated. Like, like, this guy yeah. is going to be a Pittsburgh fan favorite in a matter of... I, I think he already is. So, um, listen. 4-2. and two, Sorry against the Reds and Red Sox. They got some big series against the White Sox and Astros coming at home. Can't wait to go to most of those games. Um, yeah, it'll be fun. But, guys... To all my friends out there, tell me they're a wild card team. Relax. They are not a playoff team. Um, I'm I'm excited to watch them this year. I think they're going to improve on their 62 wins from last year. For sure. But let's temper the expectations after six games, okay? Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, you, yeah, they play the Reds and the Red Sox. Like that's yeah. that's no one. I do still love Jonathan India. I think he's really good at baseball. I like him. I've been impressed with Spencer Steer. With Tyler Stevenson, the Reds have some guys. It's just like thin. It's top heavy. Like it's like the rotation, Lodolo and um, you know, and Ashcraft um, and Green. Like it's kind of top heavy. Um, uh, one team I really want to talk about right now is the Brewers because that is another team I'm regretting not putting in my playoffs. Yeah, that's weird that you. I actually didn't... think the Brewers could beat out the Mets. Yeah. And well, I, they clearly just swept them, so. Yes, but I think they're they're a better team because the past two years they've had a disappointing Christian Yelich, 
and like they've tried to add veterans here and there, like with Kutch and and others. Um, I think they're going to get a better season from Jesse Winker. I think Yelich is going to be. Um, he's already looking better, but I think the difference is they've got this injection of young talent that's come coming up. Bryce Terang, rookie second baseman, first home run, Granny. Um, Garrett Mitchell in center field already has three. Yeah, home runs. Mitchell looks good. Oh. I'm really happy that I, he's my starting center fielder in fantasy right now. <laughs> Got him in the last round, people. Wow, um, crazy. And then Joey Weimer um, is another uh, guy who just made his debut. Um, they've got young talent, and I think they are going to give the Cardinals a run for their money in this division because a team that I'm really high on with the Cardinals, I am really worried about their pitching. Mm. Really worried. They won two or three against the Blue Jays. Um, but they are going to have to literally, as John Smoltz says, outscore their opponents to win. <laughs> For sure. I mean, if nothing else, at least Wainwright has a voice of an angel, can sing the national anthem, could sing the inning True. stretch. God bless America. I went through that pretty quickly, Sarah. Like, do you have any other so- thoughts on the Brewers and Cardinals? No, um, no, you pretty much summed it up. I like Mitchell, like I said. Um, Cardinals... It's not panic mode. They're two and four, but they've pl- they've played some intense games, like especially against the Blue Jays, which was so fun to watch. Oh my god, so fun! Um, but I do want to get into the West just a little bit. Dodgers are four and two. Dodgers are being Dodgers. Um, what I really like right now is the Diamondbacks. Though. Yes, the yeah. snakes. Yeah, love the snakes. Corbin Carroll is like stole three bases in one game. I mean, that guy is the fastest, one of the fastest players I've ever seen. Um, I like this team a lot. They have depth. They've got a lot of young guys that are trying to prove themselves. Um, they're just going to be a fun watch all year. Yeah. Uh, speaking of fun watches, I have my – I think each week what I'm going to do, I don't know, must or menos, but um, I have a couple names that I just – you know, baseball players have good names. And these are my top two names of opening week. Let's hear it. Um, the Mount Castle. Is a great last Ryan name. Ryan Mountcastle. Ryan yeah. Mountcastle. Um, and then the full first and last name, Buck Farmer. Oh. It does not get more baseball than that. That is. His name is Buck Farmer. <laughs> Buck Farmer. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. So I just wanted to close out with that. Cool. No, those are our vibes uh, for this week. I guess real quick, too, um, I just want to say a couple matchups that I'm excited for going into the weekend. Yeah, let's take a look. Obviously, the White Sox and Pirates, just because I'll be there. Hmm. Um, But I'm also excited for um, Mariners and Guardians, round two. Astros at Twins. That's going to be a good one. Yeah, Correa versus the old squad. And then Padres at Braves is going to be a potential World Series matchup. Yeah. Definitely. Um, Mariners at Guardians. There's a lot. Cardinals, um, Brewers, and then Angels, Blue Jays. Blue, yeah. yeah Blue Jays, one. Angels. That one looks really good. Friday night guy, Patrick Sandy. First Chris Bassett. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of good matchups this weekend. Um, you know, some fun baseball to watch, so stay tuned. Stay tuned. And um, just like Scotty said earlier, quick update on our season-long bet. Um, we have put in seven it's been a week so they've been we've each picked seven pitchers um and we each have three winning pitchers and four losing pitchers um just to shout out my losing pitchers get it together shohei otani david peterson hunter brown and shane bieber those are all winners what the hell 
Do you have that file up by chance? Yeah. Um, Scotty's losing pitchers are Max Fried, Christian Javier, Framber Valdez, and Pablo Lopez. Two Astros you have well, losing. Shout out to my Rays. Jeffrey Springs. And Sleeper Cy Young pick. Yeah. And Drew Rasmussen. Yeah. And then shout out also I got a Ray winning um, Shane McClanahan. He won today. You have Patrick Sandoval. He got you a W, which was nice. Um, and then Spencer Strider got me a W and Kodai Singa got me a W. Our matchups tomorrow. Did you? You didn't pick anyone who had a postponed game, did you? No. Okay, good. That would have been silly, Scotty. Who do you think I am? <laughs> who do you got, Sarah? <laughs> um, tomorrow I have an LA Dodger going on the mound for me, Dustin May. And I have Kevin Gaussman going yeah. against the Royals yeah. for Toronto. Pretty good pick, I'd say. It's really easy to pick pitchers who play against the Royals, A's, and Nationals. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, cool. It's been a week of baseball. It's been so fun, so exciting, and a lot more weeks to come. So stick around, hang out with us, let us know what games you're excited to watch, engage with us on social media. We have Twitter, we have Instagram. We have an email, thefoulbine.gmail.com. Ask questions. We would love to read them out loud and answer any on on air. So thanks also, for being Viners. Give us a review. Yes. review if you don't we're gonna consider you a hater so <laughs> yeah you'll be uh you'll be benched um all right let's get into this wine this chilean wine all righty cora leo mm-hmm. the chilean syrah it's pretty good i mean i might be a little biased because it's called the syrah which is what some people call me tastes really good um i'm gonna give it a 60 oh yeah, I like it. Okay. Interesting. Okay, tell me. Um, oh, let me give. Uh, okay. Let me give my grade real quick. Okay. So this is probably gonna be the biggest difference that we've had. I'm giving it a forty. Whoa, dude! It's like you don't like it. I'm not. I'm not big on this one. Mm. Yeah. Um, let's hear your comp. So my comp is gonna be Key Brian Hayes. Okay. Um, I think really good he's sweet and salty like he could give the sass but he's also a really nice guy um really good solid player um high ceiling in my opinion um as he has as he has and yeah this is my key brian hayes of wine you could pay big bucks for him for this one yeah I, i like that comp um i am going with a wild card mm. dari moretta Hell yes. I love that. Um, Gets into jams, but he's a complete wild card, animated guy. Mm. Um, Spicy. He's spicy. Oh, yeah, Sarah. I wasn't even thinking that. Yeah, he's (laughs) spicy. Yeah. All righty. There you go. Um, That is my comp. All right. Well, 2017 Syrah Coralillo. Love it. Been a week of baseball. We'll catch you next week. There's a lot more baseball, folks. There's like 150 plus more games. It's exciting. So stay tuned. You can sit down for two hours and watch some ball. Yep. Grab a Um, glass. Let us know like who you're excited to watch this weekend or, you know, send some clips over. Um, We love watching all baseball. Yeah. Especially if you're drinking a glass of wine while watching, send us a pic. We'll retweet you. We'll shout you out on our story. We'd love to hear from you. Um, we love baseball. This is awesome. Yes, We're baseball excited. is the best. Well, cheers, Scotty. Cheers. Another one in Salud. the book. Salud. Alrighty.
intro music by Jordan Montgomery and Driving While Black Records. Uh, look, big paper, I increase my wealth. Uh, red wine, that's good for my health. Uh, wrestle with demons, I ain't take no L's. Uh, allow me to introduce myself. I said, big paper, I increase my wealth. Huh. Red wine, that's good for my health. Uh, wrestle with demons, I ain't take no L's. Huh. Allow me to introduce myself. Oh, thank you.